What's croaking, fam? Uh, you know, I know it's been a while. We're like two months late. I, I've heard a lot of tales from our most avid fans. You know, oh, yeah. Samiksha in particular has been suffering from withdrawal symptoms. Yeah. People have really been yearning for a new episode of Croak. So we're back. We're back. We're back. Samiksha's back. boots will stop quaking with the with the fear that she will never hear another episode again. So today we have a special guest, uh, Charlotte. Hold on, hold on, drum roll, please. Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. Yay! Okay, so uh, we're gonna be talking about language and especially uh, language relevant to neurodiversity, how we can use language and stuff like that. So our expert is Charlotte, so we're just gonna interview her, I guess, and get some questions. So for the first question, Shreens, you wanna ask this one? Yeah, sure. Um, how can language or how we refer to people affect how included they feel and how specifically does this apply to neurodivergent people? So this is a really good question. I'd first like to say that I am um, neurodivergent myself. I am autistic and I have ADHD. So the way they refer to anyone will affect how they feel, especially if, if you use language that they have corrected you on. For example, misgendering someone, even after you have been corrected, can be really hurtful. And the same applies to neurodivergent people, especially in more egregious examples like using the R word. That can obviously make a neurodivergent person feel extremely hurt and unwelcome, even if you are neurotypical and use that language towards yourself. I used to often hear, oh, I'm such an arsler, after, someone had, after a neurotypical person had messed up or done something silly. You might think that using that language against yourself doesn't impact neurodivergence, but it absolutely can. It's similar to when people use the word gay as a negative. It perpetuates the idea that we are less than and stupid, even if not used in a directly derogatory way. That's a really good answer, especially like the juxtaposition with things we might be more familiar with, like uh, using gay as a derogatory term. So I'm going to ask the second question. Uh, what specific language, such as person first or condition first, uh, can we use to better how we approach neurodivergent people as well as the broader topic of neurodiversity in general? So most, most neurodivergent people prefer identity-first language as opposed to person-first language. For example, autistic person instead of person with autism. At least for me, this is mainly because autism affects every part of your life. It's not something I can just choose not to have or not acknowledge. I highly recommend um, reading Autistic Hoya's blog post about this, and you can find it on ASON's website by searching for identity-first language. Another point of contention around language is the term Asperger syndrome, which used to be considered a quote-unquote less severe form of autism. For those unaware, Hans Asperger, the term's namesake, was a Nazi who killed autistic people. But he had the brilliant idea of, hey, how about we don't kill the ones who can work for us? We'll say those ones are high-functioning, but we'll kill the rest who can't work for us and call them low-functioning. This is also a big reason why autistic people don't support the use of high-functioning and low-functioning, in addition to Asperger's. I don't want a huge part of my identity to be t being tied to a guy who thought we should die if we weren't quote-unquote useful. Ultimately, the best way to learn about language, about what language a neurodivergent person wants you to use when referring to them, is just to ask. As long as you are referring to, to them the way they want to be referred to, there will be no issue. Even if you mess up, just correct, your, correct yourself and try your best to remember. Everyone makes mistakes, but the important thing is that you are making an effort to respect, to respect that person, and in the end, that's what matters. 
Another point with language is whether or not to call neurodiversities, specifically autism and ADHD, disabilities, which they are cl clinically referred to as. Mine and many people's opinions on this is that they are disabilities because they prevent us from doing some things because we live in a society built for neurotypicals. This does not mean, however, that we are somehow less than because we cannot do these things. The main argument for using terms like differently abled is that it focuses on what we can do rather than what we can't. However, if we could do everything the same way that neurotypical people could, then it wouldn't be a medical condition. It can also feel invalidating because I don't have some other amazing skill and I do in fact struggle. So using terms like differently abled or special abilities can distract from the fact that we do need support in some areas and cannot in fact do everything quote unquote normally. This point also implies that because we are disabled to do certain things, that we are less than, so we should not use that word. But disabled purely means that we are not able to do certain things, and that doesn't mean that we can't do other things or that we should be ashamed that we can't do everything, that neurotypicals can. We should embrace that we are often not able to do everything that society demands of us, and that's okay. But that doesn't mean that we are lesser human beings because, we are, because people are not a sum of their abilities. I, I really like that answer, especially when we talk about things such as uh, a Nazi having made the term Asperger's, I'd, or having it named after him at least. I didn't know that that was a thing. It's kind of jarring to me that a lot of these you know, supposedly medical terms, these things that come off as scientific, like low and high functioning, were really created by people with a lot more malicious intent. I think we need to take that into account. It reminds me a lot about uh, eugenics and things outside of the realm of neurodiversity from you know racist to sexist attitudes and the ways people try to scientifically prove their their bigoted uh their bigoted predispositions uh with pseudoscience to to put it uh lightly also functioning labels don't even make sense in theory because how can you judge somebody's functioning like what does that even mean it's just like there's there's no way to fit people into a binary like that mm -hmm. Yeah, it ties into our discussion of uh, just the term neurodiversity and the term of neurotypical. It's like, how do you quantify typicality or normality? There's no real basis for any of that. And like, what even is functioning, right? And specifically with autism, it also perpetuates the idea that there's a linear spectrum for most autistic to least autistic. So the assumption there would be that the high-functioning people are the ones who are the least autistic, and the low-functioning people are the people who are the most autistic. But in reality, um, that's not like how autism works at all. It's not just a it's not a linear spectrum. It's more of um, like a pie chart where it's um, like some people have. Um, different traits and others, for example, like sensory difficulties. Some people can have more um, issues with, um, have more sensory issues than another person, but another person might have more social difficulties. So it's not, it's not fair to um, quantify that on a linear spectrum. Yes, yeah, so I'll pass it over to Aryan for our third question. Yeah, so do you think that the language we just talked about is widespread? Like, are people currently taking steps to, um, enough steps to respect um, neurodivergent people? And if not, um, is this uh, because of ignorance or just malice or, like, prejudice? 
This language is widespread among neurodivergent people, especially ones who are involved in online communities. Additionally, Asperger's syndrome is actually not in the DSM-5, the current diagnostic manual for neurodevelopmental disabilities and mental illnesses. So you cannot be clinically diagnosed with Asperger's in this day and age. Instead, it is more generally categorized under ASD, Autism Spectrum Disorder. The main reason why neurotypical people do not use this language is because, because they have heard different language used in the past, so they use it too, or they simply do not care to ask how a neurodivergent, care to ask a neurodivergent pe person how they would like to be referred to for one reason or another. In case anyone is worried about asking, asking someone about terms they prefer, don't be. It's similar to asking so someone their pronouns. Nobody would get upset at you for asking, and you are guaranteed to not accidentally say something hurtful by using the incorrect language. They will also most likely be impressed that you thought to ask, and happy that you are making an effort to be respectful. Right. I really like the idea of just sort of having a referendum, being like, hey, are you cool with being referred to as this, or what do you want to be referred to? It's a very, very normal thing, I think, and it's really just, it's common decency, I feel like, whether it's with people's pronouns or with terms to do with uh, certain, I guess, uh, disabilities, if you want to say that. Uh, so now, moving away from interview questions, I did have some discussion pre questions prepped, and it's fine if we don't have uh, too many sparkling insights on these. But the first one was, does disrespectful or ignorant language have consequences other than just being offensive? So what more tangible, detrimental things can they lead to, such as violence or more systemic levels of discrimination? Well, um, neurodivergent people are already predisposed to um, having mental illnesses purely because of the, um, the neurotypical society that we live in. So using um, hurtful language or even just using um, language that the neurodivergent person does not prefer can impact their um, mental health and can lead to, um, can, it can be, it can like build on other factors that would contribute to um, them developing mental illnesses. And it also just um, perpetuates the um, idea in society that we are less than and need to be cured, even if it's in a more subtle way. So then uh, what can we do as individuals or um, as a club do to standardize the use of more respectful language overall? The main thing is just if you meet a neurodivergent person to ask them, and I think that's ultimately the best way to, um, to respect that person. But also I think even if we don't um, have the opportunity to ask for one reason or another, using this language to refer to neurodivergent people is, um, it's what most neurodivergent people prefer. So using this language um, in general in, like, in our club or in the, in the community can just help to um, spread this language and spread these ideas. Right. As a club, I think, or like as a larger group entity, we can talk about it during our meetings, get our members to at least use the more respectful language. And then further, if we do say contact school administration or something like that it's possible we could maybe get something into homeroom or get something on rmbc something very quick just to tell people hey this is you know the language that you could be using this is what we see as ignorant or even prejudicial and here are some tips on how you can respect others and i think most people would respond to that message well 
uh, and just going back to what you said about mental illness, the like a propensity of neurodivergent people to have mental illness, if you want a another example of that that we might be more familiar with, we can talk about transgender people who face very similarly elevated rates of mental illness, uh, mostly because society does not normalize or really accept or even communicate their identities in a way that makes them feel represented or anything of that sort. So transgender individuals will be far more likely to have some level of mental illness or uh, conflict about their own identity. Uh, and I think the same applies in a different manner. It's not exactly the same to neurodiverse people. Right, and some of the club efforts that we're going pushing for right now is um, in April, we're trying to get um, the, ad the advisory to do uh, a lesson. Basically, April, right, where I'm planning out an advisory lesson thing because April is Neurodiversity Awareness Month. That's all I had to say. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Neurodiversity Awareness Month. Neurodiversity Awareness Month. Sure. Um, okay. Yep. That's the podcast. Wait, so uh, now that everyone's contacted the main office at 11-11-11-5. Yep, 11-11-1-0-5. I already forgot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah we've croaked it up enough. Our throats are dry and I am parched. So, ooh, ooh, I like that. Yeah, I'm a real Langston Hughes. You're very Hughes, Langston you know? Hughes on that linguistic gymnastics <laughs> okay. You know, maybe I should have given that Put poem that during Joe Biden's inauguration. Of course. Oh Amanda Gorman, who, you know? I don't, I don't know. know who that is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sorry. She's, she's okay, our, don't, don't come at me. She's the inaugural poet. Right. That's what I'm she's I like vaguely at, remember that. She oh, was, yeah, the, the girl in the yellow dress, right? She, she was the youngest um, inaugural poet. Right. Yeah. Poet okay, yeah. So, on that note, um, thank you for tuning in. And, um,. Good night. Have a good night. <laughs> good night, yeah. <laughs> Sleep well. Bye.